0: In the house with you. Hey, I want to say something real quickly before we dive into this morning's message. Um, first of all, if I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Mac Richard and I'm the pastor here at Lake Hills Church. And I want to let you know where we're going in the next few weeks. Next weekend, I'm starting a brand new series as we kind of start. Do you realize next Sunday is March 1st? What? What? But that's next Sunday. So as we start our pre-Easter season of ministry and kind of begin the spring season in earnest, although it won't feel like it over the next couple of days, I'm starting a series next week called Come and Get It. Touch your neighbor right now and tell them, come and get it. And get it. Now, you may be thinking, what in the world? Come and get it. We're talking about the goodness of God. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Good. And over the next few weeks, we're going to dive into that and take a look at what that really means. And so on your way out today, there are going to be some invitation cards that look exactly like this. That say, come and get it for you to take with you and invite your friends to be a part of it. You realize that most non-Christians, people who don't yet know how much God loves them, will never be invited to taste and see that the Lord is good unless you and I do that. Now, here's the good news. Here's the good news for us who invite people to be a part of church. Eighty-seven percent of Austinites, 87, say 87. Eighty-seven percent of Austinites would come to church if a friend invited them. Eighty-seven percent. So I want to encourage you. This is who we are. This is what we do as a church family. Get you some invite cards on the way out and hand them out this week to be a part of Come and Get It starting next weekend now for the last few weeks as a church family we've been involved in this series the good the bad and the ugly the story of grace and we've been engaged in this study by looking at really what is central to the christian life what what is it about grace that makes it so amazing if you've got your programs that look kind of like this i want to invite you to take that out and real quickly i want to just review where we've been I've heard not everybody goes to church every single Sunday, so I want to review, that was a joke, you can laugh there, (laughs) because of course you do. You know what, real quickly, I, I want to honor a group of people in our church that are killing it week in and week out, day in and day out. And I'm talking about a group of people who lead our church, our entire church, in worship Every single week. I'm talking about our upfront student ministry from Lake Hills Church. Give it up for the students. Let me just kind of lay it out for you a little bit. Our students, high school kids, come to church not just like as the service is starting or on time. They get here early for the early service. Now let me just say this. I did not do that when I was in high school. That is awesome. You guys get here on time early. You're not a distraction to other people who are trying to worship. And then, man, you all let it fly in worship. I love the attitude and the atmosphere that y'all create in singing and worshiping. I sit right here, and y'all's voices, I mean, are just blowing me out down front. Now, here's the great thing. Y'all can't really sing that well. (laughs) But, man, you let it fly. And I'm just teasing you. Y'all are such an incredible example for the rest of our church about what worship is all about, about what gathering together on the weekend is all about. Keep it up, students. <laughs> Y'all are doing a great job. Awesome job. Man, I just had, you know, keeping it real. That's just, I just, I can't get over that. High school students leading the church in worship. I don't care who you are, that's cool. That's just really Really cool. Now, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, when we talk about grace, some people think about something that you say over a meal before you start, unless you're in a restaurant because you don't want to appear to be like one of those Jesus freaks. Or you think about amazing grace, the song that most of us at least know or have heard or have heard bagpipes play at a funeral somewhere. But when we talk about grace, it's imperative that we understand what it is, and we've said all along that our, our working definition of grace is just the undeserved favor of God, the undeserved favor of God. And we talked about the fact that this is the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good is, of course, that grace comes from God. Romans 5:8. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. You see, grace doesn't depend on me to be good or you to be good enough. Grace flows out of the fact that God is good, that God chooses to bestow grace upon us, that he imparts it to us at his initiative. We can't do anything to earn it. You can't make God decide, okay, now's the day. God gives it to us out of his Goodness, the bad we talked about last week, Romans chapter 5 verse 12 kind of the anchor verse for that message was that when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. Now, sin is one of those words that we don't like to talk about a whole lot. I mean, we you know, it's kind of like, I don't know, we don't want to make people feel bad about themselves. Everybody gets a trophy and all of that kind of nonsense. But if your kids are in a league where everybody gets a trophy, take them out. Please, can I just say that? That's, a, that's an element of sin in this world. Sin is just this. Sin is the brokenness that results in rebellion. Sin is brokenness resulting in rebellion. So we've got the good, we've got the bad, but what's the ugly? How, how, is, how is grace and ugliness connected? Well, it's like this. Life can get ugly. Tell your neighbor right now with passion and enthusiasm, life can get ugly. ugly. I mean, you have to have been alive for about 45 minutes to figure out that life can get ugly. And today, we're going to go to the pages of Scripture to see how grace takes the ugly of life and turns it around. How grace in God's economy turns around the ugliness of life. Now, this is what is ugly about this. Romans chapter 8, verse 20. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. I'm going to come back to that in just a second. But, say but. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day. When it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. So sin entered the world and it wasn't just about our choices as people. It was a general brokenness that entered the world which causes many times ugliness to happen in the world. Ugliness that you and I get to deal with whether we created it of our own free will or not. Ugliness is real and it flows out of this brokenness that has touched all of creation it says against its will all creation was subjected to god's curse now there's some people who would look at that and go god's curse that that, that doesn't seem very nice i i don't i don't want god cursing but here's what you've got to understand about the personality and the character of god god is good as we've already established and God is holy. That means that by His very character and nature, He is just. God is a God of justice. If He wasn't just, He wouldn't be good. So, so my my example would be like if I brought you up here on the stage this morning and I introduced you. I said, "Hi, I'd like you to meet Bill Smith. Bill, say hi. People, say hi." And you said hi, and I said, "Bill, I just wanted to tell you we're so glad that you're here in church today and To say thank you, I want to just punch you in the nose. You'd be like, first of all, that's not a very pastoral thing to do. I can't imagine why he did that. But there would be something inside of you that would need consequences for that action. Bill Smith hadn't done anything to me, and I just hauled off and hit him in the nose. So there would be something inside of you that would say, that's not right. And you would be absolutely right about that. That something inside of you is the echo of the divine that God placed within you, when he placed within me, when he created us in his image. And it is that need for justice, that need for right to win and wrong to lose. Sometimes you see this born out in, in children especially. Our daughter Emily, Emily was born with a very, very strong will, but a very deep, deep, seated need for justice in this world i mean she was one of those kids who was like they cut in line and, and you might as well have told her that they had cut off her arm and she was like it's not fair they cut in line i was standing in line and they cut in line somebody should do something kill them And through a lot of prayer and counseling and parenting, we've kind of worked her out of that need to see people smitten from the earth because they cut in line. But that's in us. God cannot let evil go unpunished. He would not be good. He would not be just. And because he is good and he is just, there is a curse. And the curse is the consequence of of sin but even in that curse God is love God is still good and he is still holy because the curse is simply the fulfillment of the desire to rebel against God so when you stiff arm God when I kind of give God the heisman and keep him at arm's length eventually God will say fine You've got it. Take care. And he will give us over, the Bible says, to the desires of our hearts. So you can't resist God indefinitely with no consequences. You can't keep God at arm's length and not experience separation from God, distance from God. That's what Romans, chapter number 8 is talking about here when it talks about all creation was subjected to God's curse. But... With eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom, freedom from death and decay. So there will come a day when in God's economy, because of his grace, we will experience the ultimate freedom from death and decay, from brokenness, from the fallen creation from ugliness i think it's interesting that the bible says god is beautiful the bible says beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news when you are drawn to god when you come closer to god you experience his beauty his power his grace when you step away from god you step away from that beauty think about the mountains and the ocean for just a second If you had a chance to go on vacation, how many of you would go to the mountains? Let me just see a show of hands. How many of you are truly spiritual and would go to the beach? I'm just teasing. I'm a beach guy. I I love the water. I love being on the water. I love fishing. But there's something in the waves. There's something in the water. There's something in the mountains and the majesty of them that draws us to them, that reminds us we're not the center of the universe. And I believe that that is the echo of the divine. I believe that there is something in there in creation that reminds us God is God and I am not. And and there's part of that that is very satisfying at a soul level. So how does grace turn ugly into beautiful? Well, the Apostle Paul, who wrote the book of Romans that we've quoted a lot throughout this series, talks about the ugliness coming under the grace of God In a letter that he wrote to the church at Corinth, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he is explaining to them his own faith journey as an example. And in this explanation, he says, listen, God has given me incredible visions. God has given me incredible insights and revelations that I didn't do anything to earn, but he gave me in his grace. And yet, I still experience the ugly. I still go through this. As a matter of fact, he puts it like this in 2 Corinthians 12:7 through 8. He says, "I was given a thorn in my flesh." Take a time out right there. Take that verse down. Take it down. Take it down. Take it down. Now, don't raise your hand on this. But I wonder this morning how many of us have got a thorn in the flesh right now? You may be sitting next to your thorn in the flesh right now. Thank you for not amening right there. Just keeping it between you and God. It's interesting that when Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh, he is, I believe, deliberately vague about the thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that thorn looked like or what it really was. We don't know if it was maybe a relationship that had gone sideways. We don't know if it was perhaps a ministry setback. We don't know if it was actually a physical infirmity. We don't know. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul provides for us, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, a roadmap for handling the thorn. Now, it's interesting that Paul is very, very clear here. This thorn was given to him. He didn't earn the thorn. Sometimes we earn our thorns, right? Sometimes we make stupid decisions or we have stupid seasons of life, I've heard. Where where we have to deal with the consequences of our actions and our choices and our words, and and that's on us, but here this thorn was given to Paul. It, It just came into his life, and a lot of times we have to deal with thorns that are not of our own making. We have to deal with thorns because of choices other people have made, decisions, sin in other people's lives that have impacted us. Whatever the case may be for you, the answer is grace. Paul says it very clearly. I was given a thorn in my flesh. Check this out. A messenger of Satan. I think there's great freedom in that. A messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Now, it's very important that that we look at this passage of Scripture and go, okay, God, what do you have for me here? How how do I read into this story the story of grace and then draw from it something that I can use day in and day out? How is this something beyond, quote-unquote, just another sermon or, or just another Sunday morning? And I think it's right there for us in the passage. He says, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, The first thing to do when you experience a thorn is confirm the source of the thorn. Confirm where the thorn comes from. Make sure that you understand God gives no thorns. This was a messenger from Satan. This wasn't God's will for Paul's life. He allowed it. But he did not cause it. That's very, very important. A lot of times we can kind of keep God at arm's length by blaming God. You ever tried to play the blame game with God? (laughs) I remember doing this when I was a kid. Little kid. I have two younger brothers. And I remember thinking, if God really loved me, he would not have given me those brothers. I mean... You know, there's just no way that a good God would give me these brothers. Now, as I got older, the thorns grew. It was more than just a little. I don't mean my brothers were the thorns. I mean, (laughs) per se. But the thorns shifted and changed. I remember my parents' divorce. That wasn't God's will my parents to get married and have three boys and stay married for 18 years and my dad to hit the eject button and call a do-over. That wasn't God's will, but it was a thorn. I know people today who are dealing with thorns that they did nothing to create. And so it's imperative that like Paul, we confirm the thorn's source we make sure that we know where did that thorn come from it was a messenger of satan but even in something that is not of god's perfect will he can use it for his perfect purposes and here you see paul start to shift here it wasn't so much about the thorn anymore it was about what god wanted to do what did he say Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. You see, Paul got this thorn from Satan, but he went to God. He said, God, please take this thorn away. And then he waited for the answer. And the thorn remained. How many of you know sometimes the thorn remains? That was rhetorical. Julie and I, together as husband and wife, know about thorns. We know about thorns that will not go away. And we've asked God, please remove the thorn. Not between us, but something that we've experienced together. And the thorn just keeps on giving. It's what Paul went through. Three times he pleaded with God to take the thorn away. God didn't give the thorn, but Paul went to God. Three times he begged God. Have you ever prayed and not and felt like your prayers weren't hitting the ceiling? Have you ever prayed a prayer and gone like, God didn't get that one? In reality, God hears every prayer prayed sincerely from a clean heart sin confessed and flushed out and Paul continues with this second Corinthians twelve nine. but God said to me my grace is sufficient for you my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness now, can we just be honest together? We don't like that answer. How many times have you ever said, God, I get it. Whatever the message is, I get it. And Paul, God is saying to the Apostle Paul, no, 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 The thorn will remain, but in your weakness, my power will be made perfect. Paul goes on and he says, therefore... I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. I'll boast about my weaknesses. I'll tell you about my thorn. But the key is what God said to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. First of all, confirm the source of the thorn. But second of all, tie into the enoughness of, of grace. The enoughness of grace. That's not a word. I just made that word up. That's what sufficiency means. Sufficiency means it's enough. There is an enoughness in God's grace. So when you experience a thorn, you have the opportunity to experience the enoughness of God's grace. It's not about you anymore I remember one Sunday years ago when Julie and I were in the middle of a thorny season again not as husband and wife we were okay but we were dealing with some junk and as a husband and wife we were tired you ever get tired maybe it's just me but we, we were tired and I remember I had finished preaching the first service here at Lake Hills church and had gone to my office between services and, and I just I just got to the bottom of Mac I was out of gas and I told God I'm not going back out for the second service i'm just I'm just telling you that happened a long time it didn't happen last week but it was years ago and I remember just being there and just being exhausted from dealing with this thorn. And this verse came, my grace is sufficient. You see, the grace of God was sufficient to cover over our sins. Remember Romans 5:8. God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners, he sent Christ to die for us. If his grace is sufficient to forgive me of my sin and you for your, from your sin, Whatever thorn you're dealing with, there is an enoughness in his grace. There is a toughness to the grace of God. That in our weakness, in our thorny season, we have the opportunity to tie into, to discover that it's not all about us, but it's about the grace of God. It is sufficient. Then Paul goes on in verse 10. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight. Tell your neighbor right now, I delight. I delight. I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I delight in difficulties, in hardships, and persecutions, and in weaknesses. I delight in them because, not because they're fun. This is not some kind of ancient denial going on. I delight in them because in them, God is glorified. You see, you use the thorn for God's glory. You use the thorn for the glory of God. When you experience the thorny season, you stay on the high road. You allow His grace to be enough, to be sufficient. And then you reflect that glory back to Him. You use that for His purposes. Romans chapter 11, verse 36. For everything, say everything. That was pitiful. Everything, say everything. Everything comes from Him and exists by His power and is intended for His glory. All glory to Him forever. Amen. I'm going to give you a spiritual formula to write down. For your thorny season right now or for when one happens. But I want you to write this down. In every situation the gospel equals g2 g squared in every situation the gospel equals g2 grace for us and glory for god grace for us in order to glorify god grace for us and glory for God. Now, I'm the first to admit that Sunday morning is the laboratory. When we gather in here, this is a relatively pristine environment. We 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 come in and, and we sing, and most of us have, have cleaned up a little bit for the day. We've you know brushed our teeth, may have some coffee breath working, but by and large, this is kind of a, a safe place, and it ought to be. The thorns are out there. The thorns come back at us when we walk outside these doors. And so it's for that reason that we've shown some stories throughout this series. And today I want to share with you the story of a member of our church who knows something about a season of thorns. Check this out.
1: My name is Hank Stringer. Typical individual that grew up in the Panhandle of Texas, uh, an area where the land is so flat all you see is imagination. Come from a broken home, uh, raised by a very strong Christian mother, um, grew up in church, and found Christ when I was eight years old. I was able to play football, I was able to play basketball, I was a musician, um, drum major my senior year of a you know, winning band. Um, It was an incredible life. So much so that I fell away from Christ over time and really began to become conceited and arrogant that I was the one responsible for my own life. I graduate from college, go to work in my industry. I'm an executive recruiter and I have been one since 1979. I was with one company for 10 years and we grew to 82 companies. We went public. Life was fast. If you were in Austin, Texas and had working software, the next thing, you had money from one of the top venture capitalists in California. You had $50 million and you were now building a global enterprise software company. Took me down the wrong paths. Um, I didn't do anything terrible. I just wasn't good. Um, I was nice. I I, I had integrity, I was honest. But like I said earlier, as a result, I was not a good father, I was not a good husband, I was not leading the family the way that I needed to. I was married, and still am, family. But everything came too easy. I was missing something. About that time, 2006, uh, my wife and I uh, bought a home out on Hamilton Pool and we started driving out here and I noticed this this church on the left hand side every one time I would drive out there was this Lake Hills church and so I started I came here and uh, it was refreshing started volunteering and I was no longer leading the parade I was walking in the back of the line and I was loving it because I got to greet people and see people and help people. It was fantastic, but it wasn't enough. God was not through with me, at least with getting my attention. And in 2008, I was invited by one of my best friends uh, to go to a men's retreat in Kerrville. While I was there, I had difficulty pulling a wagon of soft drinks. Um, I was tired, I was fatigued, um, I, I had to go take naps, and it just so happened, in God's wonderful way of working in this world, um, one of the speakers asked me, he said, Hank, would you come down to this chapel and pray for me before I speak, and I said, absolutely, and I started I start looking at his, his notes and the first thing is the verse. I call it the verse because for me it's the verse. Though I understood that that Those verses, and I understood God's grace. I didn't experience God's grace until a week and a half later when I went to a neurologist and I was told that I have MS, multiple sclerosis. And so today I walk with a cane, I hobble and wobble, and I am the most blessed man in the world. I boast. About my weakness. God so graciously and gently prepared me for this moment, it was unbelievable. I get the opportunity to talk to people and give them my testimony, to talk to people and share Christ, to talk to people, everyday people. I would have never gotten to where I am today if I had not made the choice to seek God. I had a relationship with God at AJ, but I was seeking God. When this happened. And and I was listening. I like to tell people today when they ask, I say, I'm 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 running life's race at God's pace. And thanks to his awesome, amazing grace, I'm loving every
0: step. I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. story is our story you may not have been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis but every thorn in life is an opportunity to experience the grace the amazing grace of God if you're here today and you've never stepped into that grace in a relationship with Jesus We want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. Just to pray right where you're sitting. A prayer of commitment. A prayer of beginning. To enter the grace of Jesus. Just right where you're sitting, just talk to him and say, silently, just say, Jesus, I need you. You know my thorns. You know my sin. And I know that I need you. And so, Jesus, I give you my life right now. You are my God from this moment forward. I give you every part of my life. I confess my sin. I claim your forgiveness and I choose to believe that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again for me. Jesus, I pray this prayer. of you are here today and you're dealing with a thorn right now I want to have a prayer with you for your thorn for the enoughness of God's grace to be real in your life if that's you you just pray with me just together let's go to God just say silently right where you are Jesus your grace is enough I don't know how, but I'm trusting you that your grace is enough and I will follow you and I will be faithful during this thorny season. Jesus, I love you and I thank you for being good. pray this prayer in your name. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I want to just very, very quickly say something to those of you who committed your life to Christ today. This is the most important moment of your life. And so it's a moment that you need to mark down and make sure you stamp it indelibly in your mind and in your heart and so right now I want to ask everybody in this room if you would take out your program that you got when you came in everybody take out your program and if you committed your life to Christ today I want to especially ask you to fill out the connection card and indicate there I committed my life to Christ today And on your way out, mark this moment by handing it to somebody in a blue LHC shirt or at the canopy out here underneath the front porch. Or if you're dealing with a thorn and our church can pray with you, for you, you can fill that out on the prayer request part of that connection card. That's there for you as well. But this is the story of grace the church is God's vehicle for grace that we get to be a part of. And so today we end a little differently, but I think it entirely appropriate that we end today by honoring God and celebrating Him and His grace and who He is and what He does all the time.